0: We are going to change the world together, and we're going to do that by finding our niche through understanding who we are and through betterment of ourselves. Good evening, everyone. This is Miss Louise of L.W. Brown and Associates coming to you from Irmo, South Carolina, which is located just northwest of Columbia. Since this is my very first podcast, I thought I would tell you a little about me and what inspired me to start podcasting. First, I'm a veteran RN who started her career as a nurse in Michigan. I received my bachelor's degree uh, from Wayne State University and my MSN from Oakland University and returned to Wayne State to work on a doctorate in nursing science to explore the question, why are African-American women over 50 contracting HIV and AIDS at an alarming rate? Well, the doctorate is on hold Uh, But the study of African-Americans and their affinity to viruses continue even today. Now then, I am a wife and a blended mom and grandma of four children and 16 grandchildren. And I'm number eight of 10 children of my mom and dad's family. Bam. But right now, I'm stuck at home in the middle of a pandemic. Enough about me. I was inspired to start podcasting by the enormous amount of pain and suffering that I see people going through. I see that most of their pain is being a product of their own inability to control or manage some or all parts of their lives. Pain that's being misguided and displaces anger, hate, or frustration. I even found myself responding to that pain with a return megadose of my own pain displayed as anger. More times than I want to mention. So then, I thought, what's the best way for us to help each other and ourselves get past the pain and move towards recovery? I am inspired to offer my perspectives on changing the world through self-betterment which is done by breaking down the layers of social, emotional, mental, and physical ills with the use of love and understanding exactly what love is and who we are. Also, I wanna bring awareness to different areas that we each need to strengthen, such as our character, coping skills, as well as social ills like racism, hate, unkindness, which. We are all, which we all have issues with and we all face and these are some things that cause the pain. I believe by simply being aware through self-examination, hold yourself accountable on this one, of your problems and knowing what you can do to help yourself is 40%. And knowing when you need assistance from friends, family, and professionals is another 40%. And the other 20% is actually putting the work in to get it done. You see, once you know what the problem is and how to get it resolved, then we're almost there. What we don't want to do, no, no is let our shortcomings and our adversities and fears shame us into hiding from our realities and not get the help needed to overcome those things that hold us back. Not get the help um, that we need to prevent us from achieving uh, the courage to tell our stories and reach our full potential. You see, shame, yes, shame can rob us from a better life. On the other hand, Through bettering ourselves, we can actually find what we are really good at. Thus, we can find our niche. My goal with this podcast is the same one I had when I graduated from high school. I thought I was going to change the world. Well, uh, after getting beat up by the world for a few years, I realized that I alone will not change this world. But we, you and I, Yeah, together, we can certainly change this world. I'm so elated to finally get on with this because I have procrastinated for months. Shame on me. However, my timeline to get started has been altered because I suffered a broken leg in Michigan, then came to South Carolina to enjoy the healing properties of the sun and rehab. So I was focusing on healing. And then, bam, the sobering realities of COVID-19 set in, which is why I'm home with plenty of time in the podcast. Funny how things occur that seems to set the stage for the original intended thing to happen. Now then, for this podcast, I thought I would reflect on current events, which are COVID-19 and racism has been uncovered again. Raising its ugly head in the past few weeks, but... I will just cover COVID-19, then get back to the gold topics, finding your niche, understanding who you are, self-betterment, and of course racism, starting next week. So, as I mentioned, today I will discuss events all centered around the history of viruses and COVID-19. I want to help, what I want to do is help us identify what each of our roles are in helping to remain safe and alive and exactly how we can help change the world. After all, we are all in it together. A little more about that later, but reflecting on this virus and how insidiously it has ravaged the world with this unseen virulence. Viruses are microscopic Parasites generally much much smaller than bacteria, they lack the capability to thrive and reproduce outside of a host body. A host body is that's you you or I to some scientists, viruses are considered active or inactive rather than dead or alive, mainly because they actually have DNA. And RNA, but independently they cannot read or act upon the, their own DNA and RNA for transcription. So viruses must rely on a host their DNA, the host DNA and RNA to read to lead the way. Thus, okay, it stands to reason that if we just separated our bodies from the virus, there would not be a means for transmission. Instead, we allow our behavior to create an ideal situation for a major outbreak. As it stands now, the coronavirus has been given the green light to cause mortality and genocide since the infected rate is disproportionately affecting African Americans. The coronavirus has elicited fear and panic from governmental leaders and yet lacking respect from all. There are some millennials, it's just some, who dare to tempt the devil, challenging the virulence of the virus by purposefully exposing themselves without PPE protection, personal protection. Really, can you see this is not a viral problem? It is a behavioral problem of society viruses or the plague and the like has always visited us. We have got to be ready to make the sacrifice to do what is required to get rid of them. We have known that viruses were or are with us for the past hundred years. Truly, coronavirus has its place in history, but not without warning. There is an old saying that if you do not learn from history, we will repeat it. An ancestor virus called influenza or the Spanish flu came to this world much in the same way over a hundred years ago, showed up slow, then rapidly killed over a hundred million people worldwide, with over a million being in the United States before we finally got relief. Relief was in the form of a functional vaccine that didn't come until 1945? Mm. So some of the characteristics of the 1918 flu virus that parallels the coronavirus. They both have the ability to kill young, healthy people, as well as the elderly and those with comorbidities. No one was sure where it came from. The one thing that was sure to offer survival was avoidance such as social distancing in 1918 they closed the schools bar none just no schools were open quarantined everyone and prohibited large gatherings federal government did not implement any standards that were generalized to the public that was left up to the state and local governments as is being done now crowded conditions was a recipe for rapid spread, such as heavily populated, large metropolitan areas, you know, New York, Miami, Los Angeles. The mobility of people at that time was the war. They were sending troops over abroad and back again, just fanned the flames, keeping the virus going. You see, a hundred years ago, the disadvantage was health services were limited. It occurred during a war. Where there were a huge number of people being transported. 30% of the physicians were dis- deployed to the military that were here in the United States. Medical technology was limited or non-existent. There were no diagnostic testing. Did not even know if it was a virus or a va- They didn't know what they were chasing. There were no vaccines, we know, until 1945. And antiviral meds, no, nada. No ventilators, in fact, in nineteen twenty in, in back in nineteen eighteen, they didn't even have penicillin until nineteen twenty eight Patients were mostly given supportive care such as oxygen, pain meds, and monitoring. So what was done to stop the virus? The world was basically at the mercy of the virus, actually a sitting duck. It was just a bloodbath. It wasn't until enough members of the population developed their own antibodies that flattened the curve. Then, as we know, in 1945, a functional vaccine was ready. This situation is today known as the herd effect, the situation where enough members of the population had immunity and that spreaded safety to the other parts of the population. But so that's truly what saved them. So today now, so today, we have ventilators, despite the fear that we were run out and the media reported that anyone, no one who needed one was denied one. And we have contact tracing so we can find out where the virus was and where it's going. Uh, widespread medical care nurses are being able to call per diem. That's as needed. We've got plasma with antibiotic donated by coronavirus survivors, antiviral meds, rindesivir. um, And although limited, we have testing in all 50 states. We have pandemic planning with the WHO World, World Health Organization and, and the uh, CDC. They've been monitoring to shortstop a virus. Now, let me put my disclaimer out there right now. Although I am a healthcare professional, I am not the authority on viruses or its treatment. But taking in account all that has occurred over 100 years ago and what is going on now, here are my perspectives. Despite all the preparation and monitoring that the WHO and uh, CDC put in place to shortstop a pandemic, here we are right in the middle of one. And at best, it is still one to four years to a functional vaccine that's from beginning to creation. Truly, we probably will never see the numbers of fatalities that occurred in 1918. In fact, each subsequent pandemic that has come to us in 1957, 68, and 2009, last one being Ebola, only killed a third of where we are right now. Not to demean the numbers because one life lost is too many. But the take home message is if we fight the virus with prayer, social distancing, personal protection equipment, wearing masks for a therapeutic length of time, then the virus would be weaker and we would be stronger and alive, of course. Plus, we'll get a dose of character building, patience, determination, and a resounding show of love for each other. We cannot wait until the vaccine comes to save ourselves. Life-saving power is in our hands. Thus, the greatest defense that we have against the virus and any subsequent virus to come, and let me just mention, any subsequent virus to come there is another really big bad virus is coming around the corner. Viruses just don't stop. They mutate, they, they regroup, and they come back for you. So thus the greatest defense that we have against the virus, the one we have now, and the any virus to come, is to pray. But prayer needs to be met with works. So where am I? Quarantine, disinfect, follow CD advice for cleanliness for a short period of time. Maybe a month, maybe three, maybe a year. But if we do it for the therapeutic time, then voila, to the victor goes to spoils. It will be about a celebration. Now then, to reiterate, what we do know is that viruses are here and they will continue to be here. And they need a host in order to do transmission. But, is it, is it unreasonable to think that the U.S. cannot stay at home until our numbers are much better? Italy, France, and China did. And then, and they are now better. Are we too consumed with our rights and privileges to make the sacrifice? I know that the governments are opening the US slowly, but I still see the danger. Therefore, I will remain home until I see a generalized treatment and or vaccine. My suggestion is to do what is in our power, fervently pray, put on a mask, put on gloves, face shield, quarantine, and wave farewell to your friends, or take them with you. Do that for the allotted time to get this thing done, and then the celebration will be in order. One last thought. Well, maybe not last thought, but one more thought. Yes, we are in, all in it together. The thing is, we have always been in it together, and we always will. We only have one Earth. There's only one race of people, and it's the human race. If we don't help each other, there's no other race out there that's gonna help us. So unless we make a conscious decision that we are in it together and we are gonna help our sister or brother of humanity, then we're not gonna get through things. So the virus, back to the virus, so the virus is not our problem. Our problem as a race of people Is not being firm on knowing who we are. We are, are we willing to make the necessary sacrifice to get the job done? Or have we forgotten how to fast, how to pray? You know, this is God's world, and the courtesy of a prayer is in order. Or are we fearful of a short term discomfort? This virus is here as a reality check a test of our wills, a reminder that we need to get back to what's truly important. We all see how the virus spreads equality in mortality. So why then do we even hesitate to do whatever it is to save ourselves? Of course, there are some, as I mentioned, um, who um, purposefully allow themselves to be infected. Those who think our ships can't sink. Remember the Titanic? There were not enough lifeboats to save everyone. So the suggestion was let the lifeboats be filled by class. (laughs) Okay. Now we're faced with not enough hospital beds and ventilators to accommodate a landslide of patients. Will beds be filled by class? Um, no, I don't think so. Because coronavirus has brought equality with it. There's no big eyes or little use. First come, first serve. It's time for us to remember who we are survivors, true humanitarians. Please put on the mask, face shields, and the like. Do it as warriors and let's save ourselves. Yes, we are all in it together. So we each need to do our parts. There's a large effort uh, to get survivors to donate their blood, to get the antibodies. Uh, The frontline workers are doing their best to treat whoever comes through that front door. And essential workers are lining shelves and they're keeping the lights on everywhere so we can get some help and get the things we needed. So you and I, us quarantiners, we need to stay home. We need to stay home, put on a mask even when the only need is to pass another person. When it comes to a mask, just like American Express says, don't leave home without it. I want to thank all of my healthcare colleagues, first responders, essential workers, um, for their diligence to stay at it and And I just want everyone to know I am so sorry for the families who lost loved ones to this virus, including members of my own family and my church family. You know, that virus that came back in 1918, it killed without without thought and it killed in huge numbers. So if we did survive that virus in 1918, I am confident we will survive the pandemic of 2020 some of the information obtained in this podcast was obtained from www.cdc.org and www.who.org this is miss louise and those were my perspectives